Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. Because I'm motivated by something bigger than myself. So I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Here, my abilities contribute to our mission. Agency professionals have extraordinary integrity and exceptional talents. And every day, we do work that's incredibly important. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit cia.gov careers to learn more and apply. All right, we're back. It's another Carolina podcast back in our old home. So we're channeling some OG energy here. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell with me as always. Thank you all so much for listening. I want to remind you real quick before we get started today to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast and all the other awesome podcasts that we have up and rolling right now on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Basketball season started for the women last night, starts for the men tonight. We plan to be doing some uh, fun stuff on the podcast network with that as well, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of it. We're here today, though, to talk about football, because that's what we do mostly around here on another Carolina podcast, ACP, as the cool kids call it. But the Vanderbilt game was boring. And the App State game is kind of unexciting now that they lost to Georgia Southern last week. So we're going to try and keep our energy up for this game. But before we talk about App State, vis-a-vis a little buy or sell, as we like to do, Wes and Chris, I've been kind of stuck in the middle. I've been vacillating. I recently looked up the difference between oscillating and vacillating, and apparently oscillating is more rhythmic and vacillating is a little more uneasy. So I'm going with vacillating on how I feel about the Vanderbilt game. On the one hand, it was nice for Carolina to get a pretty drama-free win. As much drama as there has been in seemingly every single game this season, it was kind of an unusual and refreshing experience to just be able to sit there and watch a boring game. On the other hand, Carolina probably should have won that game by more, and they certainly should have scored more than 24 points. So which of those two is your prevailing feeling about the game sitting here the Wednesday after? I would say it's more of if you're a Gamecock fan, you're happy with a win. Because of how the season has gone, I mean, there have been, you know, a lot of the swing games, not that Vanderbilt coming in this year was really a swing game, but the swing games have largely not gone South Carolina's way, right? The, the games, a couple games that they should have won, whether it's UNC, maybe Tennessee, you know, for me coming in to this season, UNC was a should win, Missouri, Tennessee, a swing game to some degree. Um, and so they they lose those, so they need to get a win. and. Is is beating Vanderbilt? Is that a reason to feel great? You know, is that some? Does that need to be like the high water mark of your season? No, but I mean, never, the, <laughs> never. But this is a Vandy team that I mean, that, that largely has been very bad this season. Somehow or another, they beat a Missouri team that is now very much reeling. It appears, um, and not as good as they were at the beginning of the season. And you know, then people have rightfully pointed out, well, Vandy's starting quarterback. You know, they've had sort of musical chairs and. Um, no Kalijah Lipscomb in the game. No Kalijah Lipscomb. For some reason, they've been allergic to getting the ball to Jared Pinckney, who's a really good tight end. I think he was targeted three times in the game. But also worth pointing out, Carolina's done a good job with tight ends. They've faced a lot of really good tight ends in Albert Okuebunum and yeah. Kyle Pitts and now Jared Pinckney. And those guys probably have a combined like 
five catches for yeah, fewer I mean, Pitts than 100 did, yards? Pitts did some things against him. They had a you know the fourth down conversion. He had a touchdown. Alberto had the touchdown. The he, touchdown he, was the pick play for the Pitts. The pick though, play, right? right. And right. I think I think his final stats for that game were only like four catches for 32 yards or 36 yards. Yeah, something like that. I mean, they've largely done a pretty good job. So, but, but Vandy all season hasn't gotten the ball to Pink. It's mm-hmm. been bizarre. And so, yeah, I mean, people point that out, and they say, well, it's Vandy. And, but South Carolina, you know, they, they had a little adversity in the game, too, and Tavian Feaster being banged up and Mondance and fumbles. And for me, y- you go and you get a, a win that after, you know, after the third quarter or so maybe was, was not as much in doubt. And so you get a win, and it was a needed win, and it was a comfortable win, like you said, pretty drama-free. So I think that was the positive about the game. and. Certainly, I guess we'll break down a little bit more, maybe the offense later, but I thought they did some good things and some things that they're going to have to improve on going forward for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about the idea of, okay, they should have scored more, um, you know, I think it'd be one thing if we were saying they should have scored more in the sense of this is Vanderbilt, you should have scored more against Vanderbilt. And they're the 114th Um, ranked total defense in the country. Yeah, but I, I think what we're really saying is that they should have scored more because they were in position to score more. And, um, you know, you look at it, South Carolina owned the game just about every measure you could look at. First downs, uh, third down efficiency, total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, time of possession, turnovers, um, you know, pretty much every statistic except for penalties, South Carolina um, was fairly dominant in, in the game if you sort of match it up. Now, uh, the short yardage situations, not finishing drives, the mondensive fumble, um, you know, you get stopped short yardage on the goal line late in the game. Those are the things, you know, Carolina's in position to really win this game, even conservatively, you know, conservatively, you know, 30 to 7, but potentially much more than that. So, you know, 38 7 looks completely different than 24 to 7. But, you know, so I, I think there were some positives from the offense as far as you know, yards per play and just um, moving the football at times, but then obviously didn't finish some drives, sort of had an opportunity to really just crush Vanderbilt and maybe make people feel a little bit better about this win. Still actually covered the spread. Um, if you're sort of looking at it from a percep- trying to get the perception of this game and how this game was thought of going in, did still cover the spread. So it's not, it's not like they just squeaked by, but, you know, clearly still some opportunities that were – uh, missed and as we've talked about all year long it's not really any one thing if you look at you know sort of why Carolina fell short on a drive-by-drive basis of the drives they did fall short you know it's it's one thing here it's another thing there so uh, that, that's sort of been the story I think for the offense throughout the year if it was just any one given thing you know maybe you can focus on you know if you're an offense you either focus on fixing the one thing or trying to do something different that doesn't make you do have to do that one thing. But with this offense, as we've seen all year long and as we saw in this game, it's just a multitude of different things. Yeah, and I think you had um, three I mean, three different drives that I can think of. You know, First of all, you had uh, Mondenson fumble. I mean, you have a 66-yard drive. You get down to the 12, you fumble. Okay, So that erases any chance for points. Then you have another one where uh, there's two different penalties. I think you had... Um, you know, the Ryan Holinsky sort of double pass got batted back to him, and then you had He's got two I, catches this year. <laughs> he does. I think he had the holding on that same drive. And that so may you, be more than Jared Pinckney for Vandy. Yeah. Oh, oh, ouch. So, th- so then you have a third and 22, you know, 
that's difficult. I mean, you don't you don't expect there, there's no team. Although they out got there. the third and eighteen before they, the holding quarterback, <laughs> they did, they did. But you don't sit out there any team in the country. No, you're not going to say, okay, I feel this is a eighty percent chance we get a third and twenty two. You just don't really think that. Then you had another drive um, in which they had it was early in the game, maybe the first drive, and they get one yard on first and second down. So certainly you could say do more on there. But they had a third and nine. They had a good play call on wide open, and it's a drop. So then you're punting. So, you know, three different drives there where you can either extend the drive, arguably, or, you know, or you are extending the driver, giving yourself a chance in another where you got opportunities for points that you that you don't get. The so short yardage are, stuff doesn't bother me as much as I think yeah, it bothered some people, at, you know, at the end of the day. And, and that's what I've really been wrestling with, and that's why I've been vacillating and not oscillating because, I mean, it really just depends on the day. How much differently would I feel if Carolina had punched in from the two-yard line, that touchdown, and made it 31-7. to We mm-hmm. wouldn't be sitting here still talking about Carolina having never scored 30 points against an FBS <laughs> opponent. And as much as I'm happy about that, because I like being right on that buy or sell that we did like six weeks ago, and I like being right more than anything, it, it does affect, I think, your perception of the game. But the flip side of that, I shouldn't feel bad about that, because like I said, I mean, you're, you're two yards away. And the difference in that is, you're down Rico Dowdle. Tavian Feaster wasn't healthy, so you're dealing with your third, fourth, and fifth string running backs. Your right tackle, that's your fourth string right tackle. Obviously, Dylan Wanham out. Jalen Nichols out for that game. You start with Ja'Kai Moore, and then in the second half, you're playing Eric Douglas at right tackle. So I know that doesn't necessarily, just because your right tackle's out doesn't mean you can't pick up short yardage situations. Just, you know, run behind the left side of the line. But I, I, feel, I feel like some of that has been a little bit overblown in the aftermath. But that should make me feel better. Like, understanding those things should make me feel better about this offensive performance. But I guess what concerns me the most, and I talked to Will Helms about this on, on Monday on my Get Cocky podcast, a lot of the things that you would point to and say, this is why Carolina has struggled this year offensively. Sometimes it was pass protection. Well, zero sacks given up on Saturday. Ryan Holinsky was inconsistent. 24 of 31, 256, a touchdown, no picks, played as clean a game as we've seen him play all year. Um, you know, I mentioned running the football wasn't as good as it has been this year, but it was still fine. You know, Deshaun Fenwick went over 100 yards. Feaster still averaged four and a half or so yards a carry. So it wasn't a disaster. All the things that we've been able to point to throughout the year and say, this is why this team can't score more weren't a factor on Saturday, and they still didn't score more. It's just like they're allergic to scoring 30. Well, I think, what, you know, they, they played, what was it, Wes, 81 snaps? Mm-hmm. They did have 81 snaps. I, I think you just, I mean, they're close to that 30 threshold. I think it was just what we pointed out. There were some of the things that we've seen this year on a smaller scale. It was not pass protection. Um, they did a great job of getting the ball out quickly, but um, they had – I mean, they had two, was it two third or fourth and short situations, or was it three? But they had one where they ran the little pop pass type thing to Edwards. Yeah. Didn't get it. That was a third and short. That was a third and short. Then they, they had, had the Kevin the, Harris stop um, yep. where you could have, the the spot was a discussion. Then you had yeah. the, the fourth and goal stop. Yeah, so there's the three different things there. So that was a little bit more, like, exacerbated than normal as far as, you know, the short yardage stuff. Um and and then you had, you know, you didn't have the protection issues, but you did have drops. I mean, we've seen that. You had one drive that at least would have been prolonged. They might have punted. They might have gone, you know, three and out right after that. But, you know, they would have at least extended that drive. Um, you had penalties, which have been an issue. I think the penalties have been a sneaky big issue this it's year. It's been a big issue. And, you know, mm-hmm. not as much in this game, but on that drive, it certainly was. And then you had – you didn't have multiple turnovers, but you did have the fumble turnover – going down into the red zone, and that mm-hmm. has been an issue. I mean, we've talked about that a lot this year is cashing in more in the red zone. When this team gets into the red zone, they have got to 
A, not turn it over, which we've seen multiple times, and B, they've got to score touchdowns instead of field goals, and we saw that a couple times in this which, game. Which I think penalty, penalties are always, to me, an interesting stat because, and I think Carolina's now near the bottom of the SEC. And 92nd in the country um, in penalty yards. Which, it's interesting, you you don't you don't want to be in the bottom, but you actually don't want to be in the top either when it comes to penalties. You know, because I, I know Muschamp always talks about. You're looking at me funny, but Muschamp always talks about the fact that penalties is really not statistically a driving force that doesn't correlate with winning football games. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather and have zero penalties than twelve? No, you wouldn't. And the reason why you you don't want to have offsides penalties. You don't want to have false, false start. start penalties. You don't want to have stupid procedural penalties. But throughout the course of a season, if you have no penalties, that means you're probably not being aggressive enough defensively. You want to be able to you want to sort of be middle of the pack. Kirby Smart actually talked about this before the South Carolina game when the a big discussion was how many penalties Georgia had had. And so yes, your un, what I would call unforced errors, you don't want to have those. But you actually want to be aggressive enough that sometimes you are going to get called for defensive PI. Yep. Sometimes you're going to get called for a hold because if you're not ever getting called for those at all, that means you're not sort of bumping up against that threshold of what's going to be called a hold, what's going to be called a defensive PI. So from an aggressiveness standpoint, you know, if you're looking at penalties throughout an entire season, you don't want to be last, but you actually you don't want to be first. I think the best teams you're sort of aiming for that that middle ground because you're gonna every now and then get called for being over aggressive on defense or over aggressive in a reach block or something like that. Hmm. I'm I'm fine with that. That's a good explanation. That's a good explanation. I, I rescind my funny look. <laughs> but for Carolina it has been unfortunately way too many of those, you know, starting drives first and fifteen, whether it's unforced. It, yeah is what yeah, you're talking whether about. Whether yeah. you know delay a game, false start. And I still think that if you have a delay game on the first play of a drive, it should be a fifteen yard penalty and you should be forced to punt automatically. Now the one at Tennessee yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Did Donnell, we already, ta- we probably yeah, talked about said the clock wasn't running or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, look, we, the, this is kind of this is a microcosm of everything that's happened this season, where you can point to different reasons. Like in this case for Carolina, it was short yardage against you know Missouri. It was Helensky's banged up, and against you know whomever it was X. It's always something different. At what point? And look, I I accept that these are all legitimate reasons. But at what point can you just say there can't be any more reasons? This team just because I, I think I mentioned this on the podcast last week. There are 50 teams out of 130 that are averaging 30 points a game, and Carolina hasn't gotten there once. I mean, any team that's struggling offensively, there are going to be reasons. You know, it's no, like, no, no, sure, but it's like it's always a different reason. If it were one thing consistently, if Carolina yeah. just struggled to pass the ball all year, right. it'd be like, okay, you got to fix that. But it's always something different. They can't get everything to click all at one time, and I don't know if that's preparation. I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's lack of execution from a young team. It's probably a combination, but at some point, this team's just asking more questions than it is giving answers. It's hard to give a good answer because they haven't had, and to get, some people might say this is another excuse, but it's just reality. Like, how many games have they had all their pieces together? Yeah. Like, how many games have they had Dylan? Dylan Wanham has been. I know he's just a right tackle, quote unquote. He's been huge in pass mm-hmm. protection. His his loss has been significant. Mm-hmm. Rico Dowdle's been missing a couple games. You know, Ryan Holinsky, he's going to be a really good player, and he already is in some regards, in my opinion. But he's still a freshman. Yeah. Shai like, Smith may have well has been hurt the first Sh- half Sh- of the Smith's season. Out. Like, so th- there's always different things. So, yeah, mean, you're right. No one was ever clicking at the same time. The They're UNC the game, they had everybody. Jay well, Bentley, except for, for Ryan Holinsky. They didn't have Ryan Holinsky, but, mm-hmm. like, that that game, to me, going back and looking at it, is, is one you got a lot of issues 
and and was a bad omen. But like everything else has just sort of changed. Well, and even so in that much. game, you were dealing with a different offensive line than Carolina has ended up with. Yes, for most of the year. Yes, with with Manos and Douglas starting. Yeah. Well, and I, I think we've seen what now nine games, right? Nine games. Um, I mean, we can safely say it's not a great offense. I mean, oh yeah, you know yeah, that's no doubt. Nobody is. You know, nobody is sitting over here saying it's. If it's they just did great. this, it yeah, would be yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, no, nobody's. It's, it's not yeah. a great offense. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess the real question for me is like, where you sort of, like, where do you draw the line? You know, is it a is it a bad offense? Is it an average offense? Um, you know, I I don't know. To me, that that's where the discussion is. Yeah, um, and, and it's hard to and, even then you're projecting, right? Yeah, and so like, that that's where, um, and I I don't even know what they're averaging at, at this point, um. But, you know, you look at it and... I think they're averaging zero points a game, if that's what you're asking. That's well, what it feels like. if they listen to you, they would think yeah, that. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but no, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's obviously not a great offense. It's not as explosive as it was last year. And uh, So are the, are the pieces not as good as we think? Because I think Brian Edwards is actually really good. Is Shai Smith overrated? Are, are the offensive linemen overrated? Is Ryan Holinsky overrated? Are the running backs overrated? No, or is I mean, the coaching I, staff overrated? No, I, I, think we, I think we get into this bubble sometimes and look just at South Carolina, and we're like, hey, there, there's good players here, there's good players there. There's good. Well, most teams have pretty good players, mm-hmm. too. So, you're, you know, we, we think of South Carolina's players maybe as being that much better than, than other people's players when most of these SEC programs are recruiting mm-hmm. similar ta- talent. You know, there's there's maybe some that are a bump ahead of everybody else, like an Alabama, LSU, maybe Georgia. Well, like but like Vanderbilt has a Brian Edwards and Kalaja Lipscomb. Who like isn't the same statistically, but in terms of talent, like Brian's probably better than Kalaja Lipscomb, but they have a playmaker. He's definitely better. No, yeah, no, yeah he is. But, no, 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 but in, but in terms of like they have, they have they have huh? Oh yeah, no, no. Like Brian's like, going to be an NFL guy. receiver. Yeah. Kalaja Lipscomb, like I, I don't think that's necessarily his upside. But I yeah, think like those has, uh, those you know we talked about Tennessee going into that game. Like Tennessee is some awful program talent wise because they haven't been a good team. But you go top to bottom and look at some of the players Tennessee has. That looks like a legitimate SEC football team. Their receivers are going downfield, getting open, and making plays. Their their quarterback, who obviously hasn't been great consistently this year, Jarrett Garantano, is making NFL throws in that particular game. You know, some sometimes you have sometimes you had guys wide open, but the play he makes with T.J. Brunson bearing down on him, he breaks his hand and delivers the ball. That's an SEC play on both ends, mm-hmm. on the catch and. The past, but so, so if I agree with you, but if we're going to concede that, if we're going to say that the talent level is a lot more even, because I'm not saying Carolina is more talented offensively than everyone else in the conference, but nine games in, teams stumble into accidentally scoring thirty plus points. Tennessee's done it multiple times this year. They did it against Carolina. I know that was a couple special teams touchdowns, but sometimes you just fall ass backwards into thirty points, and Carolina is allergic to that this year. And I hate to be like hung up on like this arbitrary why, why number. Why are you caught on? Yeah, why are you caught on thirty points? Well, like, it's just it's because every single like for Tennessee, their offense is not good. It's been inconsistent, but they at least have like inconsistent highs and inconsistent lows. Where Carolina, it, I mean, it's if anything, actually, it's remarkably consistent. They're just scoring. It's like 24, 20, 23, 24, 20, 23 every single game. It's just like you you think that on accident one time they would just have a really nice offensive game, but they can't do it. BMAC? Is it a Will Muschamp thing? It was no. years at Florida. It's years at Carolina. But it was it was Charlie Weiss. It was Kurt I'm Roper. I'm not ruling that Brian out. McClendon. I I don't want to rule that out because that's not fair with any argument, really. But 
when people say that, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it. When they say it's Will Muschamp, why do they say that? Like, I know that the you can look at the overall body of work, but like, how is how is Will Muschamp himself directing the offense? Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't have, I don't have an explanation. I'm not saying that is the case, yeah, but I'm just wondering. That's that. like that is the common thread. It doesn't matter what quarterbacks, what wide receivers, what running backs, what offensive line, what assistant coaches, what offensive play callers. It's like that. That is a common thread. There may be another common thread well, that see, I'm missing. At but. Florida, see, I think you can separate the two. You know, at, at Florida, and I think Will Muschamp would admit this: the quarterback recruiting was really bad. Mm-hmm. Past, I mean, Jeff Driscoll was a talented guy. But you combine that with, like, he lost confidence and bad offensive play calling, mm-hmm. right? Jacoby Brissett, Brissett, sorry. Jacoby Brissett, <laughs> good to spit it out. Talented guy, obviously. We see what he's doing now yeah, in the NFL. Yeah, he's crushing with the Colts. But, you know, transferred. I mean, we never really got to see. So, after that, they recruited a bunch of guys that were not very good mm-hmm. at playing quarterback. Okay, and I think anybody that was in that regime would admit that. Now, I mean, he's had more talent at South Carolina. But, like, it's just been a lot of different things like the first year there's not a ton you know you're playing with a fresh musical chairs of quarterbacks jake bentley middle of the season not a great talented team second year you know eh. so i don't know it's just been a lot of different things that you can point to I, but I that, just, that's, that's my point like some people would say these are excuses some people would say these are reasons at the end of the day you know bill belichick is not the best coach in football because he just has the best ideas because he's the best, like, theoretically. He just makes it happen. If he doesn't yeah. have the receiving talent, he he elevates it or, or changes the game plan. And I'm not saying Will Muschamp needs to be Babelichek because that's an unrealistic expectation. But there's the point only is, one. There's literally there's a, only yeah, one. There's, there's, there's only one. And then there's, you know, your Nick Sabans and your Lincoln Rileys. But just the, the, the point is, this team, you know, every year now seems to have more questions than answers. And I feel like the job of a coaching staff is to is to find answers to those questions and not just keep asking more questions. And I feel like that's sort of where we are. And that's why, look, Will Muschamp, I don't know how much he's involved in the offense. Probably more than he says. Probably more than he should be. I have no way to know that. It's just a gut feeling. But at some point, you just have to you have, you have to look at results. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's results-oriented. I just I just think, you know, some of the stuff, some of the – it's okay. I think it's fine and understandable to be upset with, like, the results. But some of the things that come up that you see as far as, like, the theories and stuff are just – they're not accurate. Right. You know, I mean, that's that's all I'm saying. And it's not like excusing it. They've got to be better. They got to this offseason. They're going to have to figure out for a lot of reasons. What can what can we do to make it better? Now, one of them is uh, try not to be hurt as much. I mean, yeah, switch from Under Armour. Yeah. I mean, try try not to be hurt as much as a key. Right. Then also now next year it's going to be okay. There's no Brian Edwards anymore. And, you know, you lose one to potentially two, you know, pieces on the offensive line. And, you know, what's the deal with tight end? I mean, you've got a lot of different things. And then that's every year. That's the nature of college football. It's every year. And that's why most teams aren't powerhouses. Yep. You know, that's why it's hard to be good at college football year in and year out. But yeah, I mean, there's just going to be, they're going to have to try to figure it out. I mean, again, this year it's been, it's just been so interesting because unless you're like an elite team, your margin for error in any phase of the game is a lot lower, you know. And so when you look at the offense, South Carolina couldn't come into this year and afford to have a bunch of injuries on offense, and that's happened. They couldn't afford to, you know, have a bunch of drop passes. That's happened. They couldn't afford to have bad procedural penalties. That's happened. Like, 
Now, why are all those things happening? You could say, now you could put it on coaching, coach them not to have procedural penalties, coach them to catch the ball better. I mean, that's part of it. Some of the things that you can't really control as much, you know? So yeah. is this team just not that good? I mean, they, they're not. Well, they're four and five. But Well, no, I think, are we talking about the team now or are we talking about offense? Um, I think offensively, from what we've seen through nine games, is that this is just a middle-of-the-pack SEC offense. And it kind of is what it is. I mean, yep. if you look at it statistically, offensively, compared to the other teams in the conference, um, most of the offensive stats are going to pop up as somewhere in sort of the middle third offensively. So, um, you know, I, I think that, that just is what it is. You know, we, we talk about this team. It's not that the offense is absolutely awful. It's not that they're the absolute worst offense in the conference, but – it's also not that they're in that top tier, which is, I think, where everybody aims to be. That's what you want the expectation to be, but not every team can be there. And I, I think um, it's it sort of at this point, it, it is what it is. There, I mean, do do we all sort of agree with that or, or not? Yeah. I mean, I don't it's, expect anything to change in the next three games. That it's, it's a right. middle. So I, I think we can't really act like it's going to turn around and they're all of a sudden going to be like, LSU, Alabama. No, no, no. But I, mean, I don't no think way. we need to act like they're 14th among SEC programs as an offense. So either. they're better than what? Vanderbilt, well, Kentucky. Like I said, they're middle of the pack. They're eighth in yeah, total like offense. Yeah, like 10 middle of the pack or six middle of the pack? They're eighth in total offense. Um, I believe ninth in scoring offense of 14, obviously. Um, no, a lot of this does factor in Charleston Southern. But every team gets to play out of conference games as well. Yeah, but every team doesn't get to play Charleston Southern. But I mean, that, even like Clemson playing Wofford last week's. Different ball game than playing Charleston Southern. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think you're. If we were going to do that, we'd have to take out everybody else's. Yeah, um, I think you should, frankly. How many points did Tennessee score against Alabama? Fourteen, thirteen. I think it was thirty-five, thirteen. Thirty-five, yeah, thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sounds right. Or thirty-five, seventeen. And how maybe? many points did Carolina score? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Seventeen so, I mean, in the actual course of the game. So there's some and common then one with Literally nine seconds left. But what? see, we're we're putting South Carolina at a different standard when we start taking out garbage touchdowns. We start taking out their scores against Ten- lesser opponents. When Tennessee didn't have a garbage time touchdown against Alabama, they scored other. But Tennessee like has score, had garbage time touchdowns. I'm sure, sure. this year, yeah. Tennessee. Like if if like when we say South Carolina hasn't scored 30 points, but then you give the average of other teams that are scoring 30 points, you're allowing the other teams' average to involve their worst teams they've played as well. Yeah, I'm saying you even you even throw that in with Carolina, and it's not it's not 30 points a game. It's 27 points a game. It's not 30. Yeah, it's not okay. 30. I'm not saying it's 30. No, I just don't get it. I'm just what? very confused. By but what it. part don't you get? I just don't. I don't get it. Like Brian Edwards is really good. Everybody thinks Ryan Helensky is really good. The offensive line is fine. It's not a disaster. Rico Dowd is having the best season of his career. Tavian Feaster is good. Shai Smith was good sophomore year, right? I don't think he's an NFL receiver. I don't know if he's an All-SEC receiver, but he's fine. He's a fine second option. He's, you know, a, he's probably about a, an average second option in the SEC, right? He's not average athletically at all. No, no, no. But in terms of productivity, it, it, productivity, he's got to be more consistent. That, I think that's yeah. been the frustrating thing for people. And like, they got to just quit throwing him screens into the boundary because that's the only pass that he's been targeted on this year, I think. But so, what's missing? Am I overestimating the talent of these guys? 
comparatively to the rest of the SEC, I would say yes. Yes. Okay, so so that's fine. That's totally fine. Because like Wes says, that's we totally get fine. So bu- is Brian yeah. Edwards not an NFL receiver? Oh, yes. yeah, definitely. Okay. So is Ryan Holinsky not a good quarterback? Yes. Okay. Is the offensive line terrible? I said no. they were fine. Is no, that is that all. fair or is that like blowing them yes, up too much? My, my point being is Rico Dotto not having the best season of his career. My point being everybody else has a similar guy that you could maybe say the same yeah. thing about. If you go position by position, most of the SC now Vanderbilt awful. But mm-hmm. I, I think you look <laughs> Yeah. It, it's easy like I, But but that's what I'm saying. Like they have commensurate talent with the rest of the conference and their numbers are below average. They should be average. They're 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 average. Thoroughly middle what, of the pack. Yeah, they're below just, average though. If you're middle of the pack, that's Seven. that would be average, not below average, right? Huh? Well, but middle of the pack is like a like a vague group. Well, but he gave some of the numbers. Yeah, so eighth and ninth. And this segment sponsored by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> dead last and probably third down conversion percentage. I'm guessing. Yeah, well, I don't know that. They're Wes not, but they're up. they're close to the bottom. But in close third down bottom. percentage, probably if you want to know why they have struggled offensively, yeah. that's, that's a, a huge. huge yeah, so why is that? that is it wrong play calls? Is it bad passes? Is it's it some of drops? all of it. it okay. I mean, and people hate when you say that because people people want to have one reason. And ultimately, that's what it is. Ultimately, I mean, we keep talking about results-oriented. At the end of the day, the result needs to be win a bunch of football games or else, right? But it's just not like, you know, you can't just ignore all the other factors, right? When you're talking about a team – with a low margin for error, especially, then you try to fit. It's like Alabama. If they lost one of their 18 made in a factory receivers, <laughs> they probably they would miss maybe a little bit of a beat, but not too much. South Carolina doesn't have that. That's where they got to try to get. It's going to be tough to do ever. Yeah. So, I mean, coming into this season, like, I don't think. Did, did any of us think that South Carolina was going to be like a 30 to 35 point per game football team? Did so, you think that? Pearson. Yeah. You so did. Okay. how many points did they score last year per game? What was the average? I don't know. I'm not asking you like sarcastically. I'm just curious. It was like right around 30. It was like right around 30. Okay, right around 30. And if you told me that Carolina would improve its quarterback position in its running game, which I think we can both agree that it did both of those. The running game has been off the charts in an unexpected way. 30.1 to be exact. 30.1. Okay, 30.1. And I think we all agree that Ryan Holinsky is an upgrade over Jake Bentley. Do you all want to push back on that? In some way, that's man. That's a complicated answer. Okay, so what if we call it a wash? Can we call it a wash? Or do you think Jake? Do you think Jake Bentley's better than Ryan Holinsky? I would agree to call it a wash. Okay, so we'll call call it a wash, wash, and we would just say the running game is significantly improved. Yeah. So that would let's say let's be conservative and say that gives you another two points a game. And Carolina is at like twenty-seven points a game. So is losing Debo Samuel worth five points a game? For a maybe. guy that touches the ball 10, maybe 15 times a game, that's worth five points a game. You can't let one player that's not a quarterback have that much of a drastic impact on your team. Or maybe you can say it was, you know, Zach Bailey is worth two points a game and Debo Samuel is worth three points Dennis a game. Dennis Daly. And Dennis Daly. Um, so Darius Hutchinson, I think, has been fine. Dylan Wanham, we know, is like, in, well, he was a freshman all SEC. I don't know if he's if he will be an all SEC Offensive lineman in his career, obviously not this year because he's missed so much of it with injury. But here's the way I look at it: when I when I can't looking going into this season, I didn't expect this to be. Um, I thought it would be a better offense than last year. In most cases, 
Like, I, I wouldn't expect what we saw last year against Clemson to be this team's identity this year. Like, on a, on a regular basis to be that explosive. It wasn't their identity last year on a regular it, it basis. It was not. No, no. Exactly. But I thought this would be a better offense in terms of point production, right? And everything. Third down percentage I thought would be better. And they're markedly worse. It's R- not R- just that it's a slight regression. I thought that the run game would be a little bit better, not this much better. I thought that they would score more points and be more consistent. Now, why have they not been? Well, I thought that they would have a senior quarterback um, that played better than we saw in the UNC game. Okay, I thought they'd have Keel Pollard. Missing him is big. All right, so Keel Pollard's big. five points a game. I didn't say that. <laughs> Keel Pollard. Can we? Can we? Let, let's let's put the numbers to what they actually were. All right. So you said they're they're at twenty seven points a game this so year. It's three a three point per game difference. So so, so they're twenty seven yeah. points times nine. They scored what seventy two against. Was it 72 or 73 against Charleston Southern? I think it was 72. 72. So they're scoring 21.4 points per game against Power 5 schools. I'm sorry, not against Power 5, against FBS schools. The point that I'm trying to I make guess it has been a bit. overall is from a personnel standpoint, even with what we thought, and the personnel is a lot different than what we thought it would be coming into this year. A lot different. Even counting losing Debo Samuel, et cetera, et cetera, the personnel has been a lot different. You have a freshman quarterback. Um, you haven't had Dowdle a couple games. You you lose Kill Pollard, who's big, who's going to have a big senior year, I think, um, et cetera, et cetera. So even what we thought this team was going to be, I did not think it would be a 10-point-per-game, points-per-game improvement. So no, what but I'm it saying have been is, worse. So, so here's my follow-up question, that the personnel has been a lot different, but how many of those personnel moves do you feel like have been worse? Like, if Jake Bentley hadn't gotten hurt, do you really not think that Ryan Holinsky would be the starter at this point? Well, I think they would have made a change regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, so that personnel's different, but that's a that's theoretically a positive change for Carolina. Because if it's net neutral, well, I guess, you know, in the case of Bentley, he got hurt. So, like, worst case scenario, that's net neutral. Like Wes said, we're going to call that a wash. So that's not adversely affecting the team. If anything, it should make it better. It's not making it worse. It could. It could. I mean, you, I also look at it and say, could could... Would Jake Bentley, would a healthy Jake Bentley, and you could say the same for a healthy Ryan Helensky, but I mean, Helensky, I think, showed the inexperience a little in the Missouri game. Now, maybe Jake Bentley would have had an awful game against Missouri, too. Historically, he's been very good against those guys. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, but what if he doesn't? Now, Ryan Helensky, maybe Jake Bentley would have had a bad first half against Georgia, and they have no chance to win that game. So maybe, like you said, it is a wash. But my point is, even taking into account what we thought this team would be from a personnel and production standpoint going into this season, obviously the personnel is different. I thought the production would be a little bit better overall, a little bit better, and it has not been. It's been a little worse. Why is that? I think there's a lot of different factors that you can point to because they don't have a, a big margin for error. They didn't go in with a big margin for error. Yeah, and I, well, I think you look at game by game, um, if we're just talking about the quarterback position, would a I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that a healthy Jake Bentley from a game by game basis, specifically talking about the Missouri game, would have been in a better situation to quarterback your team than an injured freshman quarterback who didn't get to practice all week long. Okay. Yeah. Um would you have rather had Jake Bentley in the second half against Georgia with a lead than your third string quarterback? Who was also hurt. Yes. Absolutely. So, you know, in South Carolina if, if you're sort of going Game by game, they only score 14 at Missouri. 
this year they scored what was it 37 against Missouri at home last year. Yep. Um, now with your backup quarterback, but Michael Skarnecchia played pretty well in that game. Uh, and you had what a one defensive score. You had a pick six mm-hmm. by Sherrod Green in that game. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, again, to me, like I said, to me, it's a, it's an average. It's a middle of the pack, possibly lower half in the middle of the pack. SEC offense, and you can go game by game and sort of pick out all the reasons why each game, but at the end of the day, when I add it all up, that's sort of the answer I I keep coming back to. Cool. So we have three more weeks of this to watch as members of the media slash fans, for those of you listening, and then hopefully next year, Marshawn Lloyd turns this whole thing around and somehow Carolina... Do they have any receivers in this class? Yeah. Anyone good? I would say Rico Powers is your cool. your guy that comes in and because because otherwise you're bringing back the you're bringing back Shai Smith who is now injured and was non-existent for the first half of the year and had that really good game against Tennessee, but other than that didn't do much this year. The SEC drops leader in Josh Van who will be recovering from a broken hand. I want him to be good and bounce back and all that stuff, but uh, then you have Xavier Leggett who will be like a full time. Like starter for the first time, um, and has a chance to be really good. Sure, yeah, no, he's he's awesome. But he's, yeah, you, you, you don't return a lot of proven like commodities. Yeah, you have, you bring I mean, back people are worried about the drop off from Debo Samuel as your number yeah. one option to Brian Edwards as your number one option. Now you're going from Brian Edwards as your number one option to I don't know Kyle Markway. Does he want to come back for another one of these? Might be your best receiving option next year. So anyway, it's not good. Um, three more games of this, and then just hope that it gets better next year. I don't know what's going to change, but. Hey, maybe Brian Helensky really like takes a step once he has even more time to practice and prepare as a starter. But we'll certainly see. So that's I guess probably about does it for the Vanderbilt game. I love I love we get we get on these tangents and I don't even I I don't prep this show nearly as much as I do anything else that I do because I know that we're just gonna find an interesting rabbit hole and explore it. So you guys are the best. And now we didn't talk about the defense at all. Nothing to say. Oh, okay. Good Pearson, performance against a trash offense. Pearson doesn't want to give any credit. For Why? Good. Why? How many people did I have credit? I said Brian Edwards is freaking awesome. I said I'm Rico Dowdle's awesome. I said Ryan Helensky's awesome. I said the offensive line is pretty good. Everyone just focuses on the negative. That's your problem. Got to focus. Well, on do the a quick, do a quick defensive rundown. Defense was awesome. Vanderbilt's offense is garbage, and they were missing both of their top two quarterbacks and their number one playmaker on the perimeter. Is there anything else that needs to be said? Hey, RJ Roderick made a really nice play on that ball. Well, last uh, was it last week, Pearson? You said that Carolina made every bad quarterback look good. Mm-hmm. So, I know. I'm really happy there's an exception. They did on the rule. first drive. I, I guess. Know. Yep. And well, who knows? But Vanderbilt probably would have won that game if Riley Neal didn't get hurt. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But he nah. looked good. They did a good job on Keyshawn Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Keyshawn Vaughn yep. is. We, we we didn't even mention him. I mean, we talk about like good players. Like he's a legitimately good player. No, he's awesome. Yeah. If he played on a better football team, he would He'd be actually a lot more be talked about. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Unfortunate for him. They did a good. I think he had eighty-seven yards. Yeah, and like they did 20, a good job on exactly him. twenty carries. A long run of I think twelve, which was there's only one other game this season where he's had a low long run. Does that even make sense? A low, His long, longest low, long run, run has been twelve yards. There's one other game that happens. So yep. he, he's a guy that can they, – they did a really good job on him. That first drive, a couple penalties that extended the job, the double move touchdown after that, they were right. really good. And they only ran, what, 
53 plays or 56. Yeah, it's yeah. a very small amount of plays, so they did a good job. Carolina's done a really good job of limiting explosive plays in the running game. Now, the safety play and explosive plays in the passing game has obviously been a different story, but that was what Vanderbilt wanted to do, and they did a good job of shutting that down, so nice job. Buy or sell? Buy or sell. Buy or sell is sponsored by Terry Bishop of Bishop Real Estate Group. He is a um, former Gamecock quarterback, 36-year veteran of the real estate business, so if you need to buy, sell, invest in real estate, he's your guy. Should be your first and only call. Facebook.com slash the Terry Bishop team. Or 803-665-1442. Buy or sell. Last week was a great week because I won. I went 3-0. Wes went 2-1. Oh, sorry. Chris went 2-1, and, and Wes went 1-2. and two. Ugh. Mm. It's all right. You've won most of these. I think you've won the last three weeks. So Ooh, thank you for taking a week off and giving. That. Really? Yeah. Huh? I think I was 9-0 or or Yeah, the you last were 9-0 in the last three weeks, so I appreciate yeah. you taking a week it's off nuts. and giving Chris and me a chance. So here's what we had. Fire South Carolina will have the top receiver in yards. Uh, Wes sold it, and Chris and I bought it. Now, in your defense, that was only the third time this year that Carolina has had the top receiver in yards, Missouri and Kentucky, by two yards, 37 yards. Um, Carolina will give up fewer than three sacks. We all bought that. Carolina's sack totals now for the year, sacks have given up three, zero, three, four, three, zero, three, three, zero. So they either give three sacks or zero sacks and then the Missouri game, which is, I think, just kind of funny. And finally, Carolina will finally score 30 points. Wes, bye. Chris, bye. Pearson, sell. At least we're consistent. We did that for the whole rest of the season after the Missouri game. We did it again individually for the Vanderbilt game because that was the one that y'all highlighted, and I think correctly so because that's a bad team. 114th in total defense. And I guess Carolina had some yards but did not get to 30. So I was 3-0 this week. We are starting with Ryan Helensky will have more passing yards than Zach Thomas. Ooh, that's a good one. Good one. Thank you. I thought of it myself. You're on a good little streak of good yeah. buyers. Well, now that I actually like, I'll questions. do these like at least the day before instead of like, oh, it's time for buyers. So what am I going to do? Yeah. Go, Wes. You. I'm a I'm a buy that. More passing yards. Yeah, I mean, I think this is an opportunity for South Carolina to maybe throw the ball around a little bit. Um Alinsky, to me, looked as maybe comfortable from a health standpoint as he has in a long time. Um, the little zone read he had, he looked like he felt comfortable running the football. So I, I think he feels pretty good. Um, I think that'll lead to a potentially big day. And, you know, if they get Shy Smith back as well, I think that bodes pretty well for the offense in the passing category. Let's see if we can pull up Zach Thomas's numbers. Well, that's why I thought this was really interesting because their numbers are very similar. They're both completing about 62% of their passes. Uh, Ryan Holinsky has like 30 or 40 more passing attempts and about 200 more yards. So their yards per game is pretty similar. Their yards per attempt is pretty similar. Zach Thomas has 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. Ryan Holinsky has 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. Their numbers are remarkably similar uh, if you factor out Zach Thomas's rushing numbers. So that's why I thought the passing in particular would be would be fun to buy or sell. I mean, it's like 1,700 yards for Helensky and 1,500 for Thomas through the air. That's a tough one. And they've both played eight games. Because App State has only played ah. eight games. and then uh, My initial thought was to sell it because I thought Carolina may have a chance to have a bigger day on the ground. But I'll still buy. You're still buying. I'm going to sell it, um, but for the reason that you were about to go with. So I think... A blueprint, I guess really the only blueprint this season to beat App State is what we saw Georgia Southern do. Not that Carolina's going to run the triple option, but you know Georgia Southern ran the ball 54 times or 56 times and had 350 yards on the ground. 
that's been Carolina's strength already this year, and especially with Rico Dowdle being back. Um, Taven Feaster is going to be out, so maybe that ends up being sort of a wash in terms of the healthy backs that you have ready to go. But Kevin Harris is back in the mix. Deshaun Fimwick had a nice game last week, so he may have earned himself a few more snaps. I think Carolina is going to run the ball more, and hopefully this is a game that Carolina is able to take a lead early, which they've done many times this year, and they'll end up running the ball, kind of salting the game away, and App State will have to throw it a little bit more. So I, I think Zach Thomas will probably end up with a few more passing yards, but not because Holinsky is going to have a bad game, just because I think Carolina's game plan will be a little more ball control, so I'm going to sell that. Next up, Carolina will have more than two and a half sacks. I'll buy. Um, look at the sack numbers. Only one game where... Nope, that's not the full... That's not the full game log. But I'm looking at five of Zach Thomas's games. Right, yeah. Press the see all button. Good job, Wes. Um, that's what I'm here for, buddy. <laughs> Okay, so two games where they gave up zero sacks. They've had one game of three sacks. Did you already look these up too, Pearson? Is that how you came up with this? No, I was looking okay. at Carolina's uh, yeah. sacks and wins versus losses. So the two, am I right? The two SEC leaders in sacks, individual, South Carolina has Aaron Sterling and, Aaron Sterling and, and uh, DJ Wanham, I believe. I believe that's right. right. I believe there's somebody tied with maybe one of them. Yep, <laughs> and then and Sterling, I think, is also second in tackles for loss in the SEC. Yeah, he's done a great job. He's awesome. Appalachian State has a smaller not to not to say that they're not good. Um, well, Muschamp says it's the most athletic O line they'll face this year, which is interesting. They are smaller. That's what you say when they're small and weak. <laughs> I wouldn't call them weak. Um, <laughs> Relative to Georgia's offensive line, Zach Thomas yeah. can move. Yeah. Over over two and a half sacks over or two, two and a half or we'll over over two and a half sacks. So. Okay. I dig it. I'm I'm gonna buy just because I think if if we're going with the blueprint of earlier where South Carolina can maybe get some type of lead in this game, then they may have to throw it a bit more. Um he's done just statistically it looks like he's done a pretty good job of escaping pressure, but um you know, and I may just be sort of explaining this away, but I, I feel like a lot of times when these running quarterbacks face a little bit better competition, a little bit better athlete, sometimes they think they can escape and they end up holding on to the ball a little bit longer and it does lead to sacks. So I'm going to say that I buy over for South Carolina in sacks. I'm also going to buy this for a couple of reasons. This seems like it would be an easy sell because you're facing a mobile quarterback, but Carolina's done a pretty good job with mobile quarterbacks this year. Their pass rush is obviously very good, and more importantly, it's not just you have a bunch of guys running around with their hair on fire, like they've, they've done a good job of being controlled, of playing mm -hmm. contained when they need to, collapsing the pocket and letting you know their interior guys, especially Javon Kinlaw, pick up those sacks, which has been really nice and obviously helped his sack numbers. Um, the other part of it is, it, it's not a direct correlation, but I was curious. So Carolina has 19 sacks this year, 10 of them in their four wins, and nine just nine sacks in their five losses. So obviously, averaging a little more than, or averaging exactly two and a half sacks per game in their wins, and a little under two sacks per game in their losses. I think this is going to be a win. I think, like you said, the, the the controlled pass rush and the increase in talent against a smaller offensive line if they have to throw the ball a lot, which hopefully, and I imagine they will, more than they like to anyway, that Carolina will get to that three. Let me give a a concerning stat for South Carolina going into mm. this game. Zach Thomas's line against North Carolina, which we could probably say would be the most comparable maybe A team or B defense that South Carolina will face, 20 of 29, which is 69%, 224 yards. Yes. No touchdowns, 
one pick, but they scored 34 points. Mm-hmm. And then six rushes for 57 yards with a long of 50. Sort of a weird stat line, mm-hmm. but also a concerning stat line. A little bit. But again, Carolina hasn't given up a lot of explosive plays in the run game. They'll have to keep up with that mm-hmm. this, this time around. It won't be the first athletic quarterback they've faced. they faced several this year. They got some guys that can run. They got Darrington Evans, who's a guy who's mm-hmm. uh, concerning as a as a running back and as a as a returner too. I guess Kelly Bryant's the one guy that you point to and say that's a that's a dual threat guy that hurt Carolina with his legs. He did, but that, even still, you know, Missouri only mustered twenty points on offense in that game. So yep. I don't know. I'm going to buy. I think it'll be a good day for the DL. Last one. Saturday's game against Appalachian State will be better attended than the Vanderbilt game. The official attendance for which was. It was like 71-something, so we'll just call it 72. We'll round up. I will buy that. The reason being, App State has already sold all of their tickets mm. to this game. Mm-hmm. Um, night game, senior night. Um, it seems like attendance, and I don't have the numbers, it seems like attendance has been on a bit of an uptick this year because I think a, more people bought season tickets because of all the other sort of big home games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and three night games. Yeah, a, another night game. I will say by that it'll be slightly higher. But the main reason being Vandy sent, you know, if, if you look at the east, the east upper corners is the extra area that opponents' fans are given seats to. And when they're completely empty, that means A, the opponent didn't buy, and B, it wasn't a big enough game for South Carolina fans to turn around and buy up those spots. Mm. App State being nearby, um, the fact that we were told they already sold, I think, 5,000 tickets to their yeah. fans, um, their band will be up there as well. Um, I'm going to say a fairly easy buy. Okay. I agree. I yeah. think Wes nailed it. I really have nothing to add. I um I'm inclined to buy because I think what we really should have done for one of our buy or sell last week is will Vanderbilt have more total yards or fans at the game? In which case, total yards would have smoked fans at the game last there week. There was nobody so there. I think there were 46 Vanderbilt fans. I tried to count, <laughs> like it was it was a small enough number that I could start to count, and then I got bored. Um, I can't count very high. It is going to be really cold though. Yeah, that was the one thing, but. And App State's no longer undefeated. They're no longer ranked. I'm going to sell it because I need to zig while y'all are zagging to give myself a chance to win. But I think it'll be close. (laughs) The honorary Chris Clark, it'll be close. Thank you. That's our buy or sell brought to you by the Bishop team. Last week, Carolina won 24-7. Did anyone predict that exactly? Um, He didn't look. No. Can you take that part out? Um, I I got something else to add on it, though. Um, as always, we do want to thank Slotsky's Deli and a little something different this week, guys. Ooh. First of all, did y'all get to use your free Slotsky's yet? Oh, yeah. Some of them, um, I had several. I haven't used them all. Did yeah, I haven't get... used them all, which I'm very happy yes. about, but I did mm-hmm. use some. Um, thank you. Well, I enjoyed the Slotsky's tailgating package on Saturday. Oh, myself. did you really? Yes. Thanks, oh, good man. for you, man. We, so, you give it away to so many people. I'm glad you got to experience it. I got it hooked up uh, thanks to the manager over there, Suki, who does a great job. Um, got hooked up with some sandwiches. They actually, so the cool thing is you get this big bag and it has a box in there that has all your, all your sandwiches are cut in half. There's three different sandwiches in there. Um, chips out the wazoo, uh, different types of chips, uh, sour cream and onion, salt and vinegar, regular. Um, they give you plates. They even give you this little 
plastic tong so that you can actually, um, if you need to pull anything out, you know, get a sandwich out for your friend, I guess. Um, point being, this is all-inclusive, everything you need for a tailgate. Uh, napkins, they give you plating as well. Even had, you love this, they give you a little bottle of hot sauce to go with it. So No. Yeah, they mm, gave give oh, you a little bottle man. of hot sauce in the bag. So. You know how much that means to you? You carry around your own personal bottle. Exactly. I didn't have to. You know, you hooked it <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, you didn't need it. Um, maybe they've been listening to the podcast. You're prepared for people that aren't as good as Slotsky's. Exactly. So very much enjoy the Slotsky's Daily um, tailgating package, and you can get your own if you pick the score to the Appalachian State game on the Insiders Forum or the Fighting Gamecocks Forum. TIF obviously is for our subscribers. FGF is free to anyone who wants to get on there and post and complain about the offense like Pearson does every show. Or complain um, about me. Yeah, yes. and they've done some of that as yeah, well. Yeah, they should. But, um, yeah, so check it out. Slotsky's Daily, that's obviously in Casey and West Columbia, and we very much appreciate them being a partner and a sponsor here on another Carolina podcast. And if you're wondering which forum to play the Slotsky's Challenge in, or rather, if you're wondering in which forum to play the Slotsky's Challenge, there we go, Prepositions are so annoying. You can do it in the Fighting Gamecock forum, as you mentioned, if it's for free. But if you're really cool and you want to do it on the Insiders forum or TIF, which apparently the really cool kids call it, and you're not a subscriber to Gamecock Central, you can be for a month for free if you just use the exclusive podcast code GCPod. Oh, yeah. It's so easy to remember. GCPod, Gamecock Pod is essentially what that stands for, or Game Central. I don't know. Now I'm confusing people. It's GC Pod. Gamecock Central Pod. Men's basketball starts tonight. Football season is obviously wrapping up here. So there's never been a better time to get all of the content, insider access, because not everything on Gamecock Central is free. In fact, some of my favorite stuff is not free. But you don't have to miss it if you we use the exclusive podcast code GC Pod. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like it was strategic. Yes. But By yeah, the way, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. That mm. part is free. That um, is. Yeah. You can see as Chris's is this podcast. You're welcome. Smiling face. Yeah. And it's I believe, free because of Terry Bishop, real estate team, and Slotsky Silly. Yeah, exactly. They're the best. I think that'll about do it for this week. We went a little long on the first part, maybe a little short on buy or sell, and I don't have anything to say about the App State game. I don't know. They're probably not that good. They just lost to Georgia Southern. They beat North Carolina. That was a weird game. They forced three turnovers. Or rather, North Carolina turned it over three times. I guess however you want to frame it. I don't know, man. They have the sixth most F- Yeah, they play in the Sun Belt. Relax. I don't know. Whatever. Dangerous game still. Yeah, for sure. They're only, they're a four point favorite. I mean they've lost as a four point favorite. They being South they've, Carolina. They've lost as a twelve point favorite. Um <laughs> so nothing is given this season, but let me just use my most hated phrase in sports, and it's been used far too much this year. Oh no. As it has been every year. But are you about to alternate your pronunciations of the word program? <laughs> no, I'm not Dabo Sweeney. Um <laughs> It's an inside joke that just the three people in this room got, but must win. Mm, yes. Ah. South Carolina must win this game. <laughs> Wait, why? For a million reasons. I don't think it's a must win. I don't think anything matters this season anymore, except for development. Wins no, it's, and it's a must matter. win for Will Muschamp and company, I think. Yeah. I think this team's going to be 5-7, and seven, and I don't think it matters if the win's over F State or Texas A&M. Okay. I just I I I think if there's any chance of them going bowling, oh, but I don't care about that. That it has to. Well, a lot of people do. I would prefer point. to not have to watch another Belk Bowl. Um, I think South Carolina would just <laughs> decline a Belk Bowl. You can do <laughs> that. You know, it's yeah, technically I mean, an invitation. You can be no, like, no, we're good. We got we're enough good. socks. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the thing about a bowl is you also you want to talk about development is you yeah, get extra practices to develop your young players. How many practices and do you get? Get a what about is it a number of practices or, or is it a period of time? Because I was under the impression that it was a number of practices. Jay Phillips seemed to think that it was an, a period of time. There's actually no specific limit. Really? I don't think because I know people were really upset that Will Muschamp only had like twelve or thirteen practices, and it's like, why didn't he have more? And I was like, I don't know. I think they had. I think they had. I can't remember the exact. They either had one. I think it was two or two less practices in the Outback Bowl, which you could go. Okay, those two practices oh, okay. were the difference. But you know, yeah. the bowl game was also earlier, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's why fewer um, days to practice. Yes. Point being, I, I think going bowling is still important, not necessarily for the game, but just for perception purposes, you want to be able to say you've gone bowling every year, you want to get the extra practices, yeah. no matter what the actual number is. And I think in order to do that, the, the only blueprint I can see that actually I think could happen would be for them to win this week and then split the next two after that. And yeah. I don't see any way they beat A&M and Clemson. So to me, this is a massive game for Will Muschamp and the South Carolina program. Indeed it is. Hope you all enjoy it. For those of you that are going, for those of you that are watching it TV, on TV, hope you enjoy staying warm and watching the game. We'll be back again next week for another Carolina podcast every Wednesday. And hopefully we'll have some basketball stuff up and rolling too with Colin Taylor, maybe Wes. I don't know if you want to talk about basketball. You like basketball. I do like basketball. Yeah. I'm going to the game tonight. Yeah, me too. I'll see you there. That'll be good. Y'all enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Chris, I'm going to get uncomfortably close to you. We're going to beat Clemson. I'm not what on there, What kind of movie I? is this about to be, Wes? <laughs> Do you not want to be on there? What kind of movie? I'm fine with it. It's whatever. It's I mean, if we're going to be YouTube personalities, Chris. It's fine, man. If we, uh, if we had one. Or we figure this out. We get all our, our sponsors. I like logos. it. I like it. Eat like your it. heart out, Michael, man. Wes is a mise-en-scene master. Uh, is anybody going to be able to see? Yeah, it probably looks better with natural light and not that god-awful prison lighting. Testing, testing. Welcome back to another Carolina podcast where we're not going to fight this week and we're bored by the Vanderbilt game. We're already bored by the Appalachian State game. <laughs> Welcome to a Thursday edition of another Carolina podcast. It's part of the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Are you just randomly doing intros? <laughs> no, I'm telling Wes to hurry the f*** up. In, in, in hopes that the show will start. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.